don't understand something, pastor is more than willing to explain anything that you don't understand. <coughs> go ahead, Pastor. Thank you, Lord. Let's go to prayer. Most righteous Father, in the name that's above every name, and that is that name of Jesus, I'm asking you to let your spirit walk these aisles today. Minister health, strength, wisdom, and understanding in the hearts of your people. Lord, let every eye see and every ear hear and let the hearts of your people understand what the Spirit is speaking to us today. Lord, give understanding, give wisdom and knowledge, and help us to take hold of your Word and what you want to work in our lives. And we give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all go ahead and be seated. I appreciate the Lord today. I tell you, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Need just a little bit of volume. More so on my monitors than anything. But I'm on. It's not what I'm going to preach on, but I want to exhort on something for a few minutes out of the uh, first epistle of John, and it's the fourth chapter. But I'm going to tell you, God moved for us so great last week to get this radio broadcast. Because I've been coming up here preaching, well, ever since 99. and But in 2012, I started ministering over at Talking Rock, Victory Hollow, ministered over, I don't know, a year or so. And even preached some house services at Thomas and Cat Quentin's house. And we started trying to get on radio in L.A.J. then. Right. We've tried ever since 2012 to get on radio in L.A.J. They never would call me back, never would open a spot. And so I told the church here last Sunday, I said, God told us. God spoke to me through a minister and said, you get on radio. And I kept telling the Lord, I said, finances ain't there. Just ain't there. So the Lord spoke to me last week. He said, you tell the people we're fixing to go on radio. And Monday, we went in the radio station, talked to the man. He said, I got a spot coming open, and we'll be on from 515 to 545 every Sunday evening. And he said, I got a spot coming open. Don't know exactly when it's coming open. He said, send me a tape. I want to listen to you preaching. So we got home Tuesday. And Tuesday evening, my wife emailed him. Uh, about three, he just said, just send me three or four minutes. And sometime Tuesday evening, we emailed him the clip. It probably wasn't 9, 30, 10 o'clock Wednesday morning. He emailed us back, said, you got the spot. Just like that, got opened it up. I mean, been trying for five years, just like that, got opened it up. Because it's God's time. When it's God's time, things fall in place. And what Brother Donald didn't tell y'all, when he went into work that Monday and his boss called him in the office, he didn't have that check made out for this radio. That was his personal bonus money that God gave him. And he made the commitment that he would pay for that radio, which is $300 a month. 
and God put that money in his hand. He turned right around and called me and said, God didn't give me the money for the first month's broadcast. And he said, I'll give it to you Sunday. That shows a hunger and a desire. As I'm going to, and and I, I put it on Facebook, and I had a lot of people text me and say, I got loved ones that are shut in. One lady said, well, my daddy got to where he couldn't go to church, said he listened to the radio and said that's the only preaching he had was what come over the radio. And they said, I thank you. I thank you. You know, if I can get 15, 20 people a month, send me $10, $20. It'll just about take care of the radio broadcast. And that's not a lot to ask for. That's not a lot to ask for. But if I can get people to get in here and honor God with your tithe and your offering, won't be no hardship on anybody. And I'm going to tell you something, this word, and y'all know you've been raised around my word. It's different. It's strong. It's powerful. And people don't like it because I preach a straight word against sin. But let me tell you something. If you're going to serve God, get sin out of your life. Don't mess around with it. Because I started serving God when I was 19. I've served God 45 years faithful. Not in, not out, not up, not down. 45 solid years. And that's longer than some of y'all are old. But I've served God and preached the gospel for 45 years this year. Hadn't been out, hadn't been discouraged up and down, in and out. Solid. Because when God saved me, He put something in me. And I served God because I love Him. I don't serve him because I'm scared of going to hell. I don't serve him because I have to. Brother Josh, I serve him because I love him. There's a joy in my heart because of what he done for me. How he went to the cross and he took the beating and he paid for my sins with his body and his blood. And then he went to hell with his soul and gave his soul for my very salvation to deliver me that I wouldn't have to go there. There ain't nobody in this church and under the sound of my voice has to go to hell. You choose to go to hell because you won't accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You make that choice. You make that choice. Is that right? Yes. By, by the way we live and what we do, by rejecting. Oh, somebody asked, said, am I going to go to hell because I do this? And I tell you, I hate this old, y'all pardon me, I believe in modesty. And I believe in, in, in men and women dressing decent. But I can't stand this old outward dress doctrine that people try to ram down people's throats. And I've had people come ask me, Sister, remember am I going to hell for wearing pants? I said, no. only thing going to take you to hell is you reject Jesus Christ. You reject Him. That's what will send you to hell. It ain't whether you dress according to man's teaching or not. Because I'm going to tell you something. If it's just outward dress, the Amish got us beat hands down. Do they not? Let me tell you something. The Muslims got you beat hands down. If you women ain't supposed to show nothing except your eyeballs, <laughs> they got you beat hands down. If outward dress is holiness, but it's not. Outward dress will bring modesty. I mean, it's modest. But modesty will never make you holy. But holiness will make you modest and make you clean. So you've got to get the Spirit of Christ in here. 
That's what changes you. If you're just doing something because man preached it, you ain't getting nowhere. You got to do something because God convicts you and because you know He loves you. And when you serve God because He loves you, that makes a big difference. I serve the Lord because He loves me. I ain't scared of going to hell. I ain't scared God's going to smite me and do all this stuff to me. And I had somebody that was coming to my church, good people. They've moved on down to South Alabama now. And they, they come in one Sunday, and man's a big old man. He, he probably stands 6'3 or 4 and weighs about probably 300 pounds, just strong. He's about like you, Josh. He just, I mean, just big guy. He come in one Sunday, and and uh, he come up to me before I started preaching. He said, I told my wife, he said, Brother Meadow was going to tear my hide up today. And so when I hit the pulpit, I said, it ain't my job to tear your hide up. I said, it's my job to preach the Word. I said, now if the Word tears your hide up, <laughs> I said, that's completely different. But see, it ain't my responsibility for you to live right. I know preachers that go around to the, their members' houses and, and see how they're living, what they're watching on TV. And what. I ain't doing that. That ain't, that ain't my responsibility. My responsibility is to preach the Word and teach you how to serve God. It's up to you to do it. God don't force a man to serve Him. God don't make you live right. He may make you wish you had to live right, but He ain't going to make you live right. Young man, how old are you? 21. You ever had an experience with God? I mean a real one that really hit your heart and changed your life. Hang around this. This will get all over you. <laughs> this will. Somebody sent me a picture on Facebook here uh, two or three years back. I think it's Sister Brandy Dell Baker sent me a picture. And I was preaching Brother Hamby's old church in Dalton, Georgia. And I think she said her and Joseph Morton was about six years old. And they was in my prayer line, wanting to feel the touch of God's Spirit. Because I'm going to tell you, you ever feel the Spirit of God, and it ever really gets, gets on you, you'll never forget it. There's just something about the Spirit of God. But it was probably several years ago the Lord spoke to me. And I started teaching. Because I, I, I try to teach the Word of God because I want people to know how to live right and I want them to know they can live right. There's people who don't think they can live right. You may not live like I live, but you can still live right. You may not pray like I pray, but you don't have the responsibility I have. When I've got to preach the Word and, and people always depend on me for prayer and counsel and i got to do more than what you do because i got to know more than what you know. If I don't know more than what you know, then you ain't got no business listening to me. Amen? So it takes more. The Bible says of him that knoweth much, much is required. So the Lord requires a lot out of me because I've been serving him 45 years. God don't require out of you what he requires out of me. But he does require you to live right and to do right. There's, there's one scripture I've lived by or in, in, in several places in the Bible. It says, do that which is right in the eyes of the Lord. I've always tried to do that which is right in the eyes of the Lord. Always have. I don't care about pleasing you. 
I'm not in this to please you. I'm in this to please the Lord. If I please the Lord, you just have to go have to get over it. If I offend you by pleasing the Lord, you're just going to have to get over yourself. Amen. But I want to I read this. This is in 1 John, the fourth chapter. And Brother Dwayne, I want you to pay close attention to this because this is what you mentioned to me before service. And I'm going to verse 15. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God is, yeah, whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Now that word confess there means your actions. It's how your confession is done by your actions. It ain't just done by your words. Okay? And we have known and believe the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. That word perfect means mature. It means complete. You know, when we're children, Paul said, we do things as children. We talk as a child, we speak as a child, we understand. But Paul said, when that which is perfect or mature or complete is coming, in other words, when we grow up, we understand things better. We got a more perfect or more mature love or more mature understanding. You can't expect somebody 10, 12 years old to understand what somebody 35, 40 years old understands, especially about things of life. That's the reason God gave people mamas and daddies so y'all wouldn't go out here 12, 14, 16 years old, think you know everything. We used to have a little sign on our refrigerator when our kids was at home and all my kids had grown now and married and thank God doing good. And we used to have a little sign on the refrigerator that says, go ahead and ask your teenager what you need to know now while they still know everything. Yeah. <laughs> because most of them get about 13 or 14 and they think they're 35 in knowledge and understanding. And I know none of y'all is never that way. Think you know more than mom and daddy know. I, my oldest daughter, went off to college, and last couple of years, she just she got an attitude. She thought she knew everything, buddy. She got, and we took her to college, and we wouldn't let her come home. My wife wouldn't let her come home for about two, three months. What was it? Six weeks, eight weeks? And she called her mom and just begged her to come get her. She said, "Nope, you stay in there." And when she come home after six weeks of school, she told her mama, she said, Mama, you know something? She said, you was right about a lot of things. Everything. <laughs> everything. Said, you was right about everything you tried to tell me. Her mama said, wait a minute, let me get a tape recorder. Let me get, let me get this on record. <laughs> she said, Mama, you was right about everything. She said, I've learned a whole lot in these six weeks. She did, it changed her. Changed her attitude on life, changed her attitude toward her mama. Herein, verse 17, is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is, there is no fear in love. Y'all see that? When you've got the love of God in you, there ain't no fear there. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear 
hath torment. Fear torments you. Well, when you come to that understanding in God's hands, you won't fear no more. I went to the hospital in Dalton, Georgia years ago, and I don't even know who I went and prayed for. I'm still evangelizing in this back probably in the, could have been late 80s, early 90s. But uh, I was going up the elevator, and the Lord spoke to me, said, because the lady had cancer, and he said, there's a fear that goes with cancer. said, that'll kill you. said, the fear will kill you quicker than the cancer will. And I went in and started talking to the lady. I said, you serve God? She said, well, not like I should. I said, you go to church? She said, not like I need to. I said, well, are you saved? She said, well, I think so. And she started talking about all this. I said, let me tell you something. I said, cancer don't run in my family. And I started naming all these other things. She said, man, what kind of family you got? I said, I've been adopted into the household of faith and I said I'm God's child and I said these things don't have fear they don't have dominion they don't have authority and she said well I'm afraid because I had a aunt and I think she said I had my mother had a sister and said all of them died the same kind of cancer I got I said if you give that fear to the Lord I said God will heal you and I laid my hands on her and God healed her God healed her so you got to believe it ain't believing in me believing in the Lord Jesus Christ the price he's paid for you amen the price he's paid for you alright I'm going to go to Psalms 127 this is what the Lord spoke in my spirit matter of fact he woke me up early about Wednesday morning and he spoke this into my spirit it's what I'm going to exhort on today and before y'all leave I'm going to give you notes scriptures I'm going to give you my thoughts on things and I do this I spend three or four days every week sometimes four or five hours a day studying scripture studying the word of God because I want you to learn I want you to find out what you believe because there are a lot of people who don't know what they believe they have no idea what they believe if I start there's a lot of people says Pat if I start talking to them about what they believe in God they can't tell you they can't get past basic salvation. They can tell you about salvation. They can tell you about repenting and water baptism. And they can tell you they got the Holy Ghost. Gets beyond that, they don't know anything. I want to know what's in this. I want to know what I believe. And I want to know why I can put my faith in this word right here. I want to understand. Amen? Because if you don't understand... You don't have nothing to fight with. You know, when, we was, when I was in junior high school, and I ain't going to tell you how many years ago that was, because it's been a while. Because we're coming up on our 50th high school reunion in just a couple of years. So I've been back there a while. <laughs> Way back in the 60s. So, but... I can't remember what class it was, but we had to take a Red, a red Cross course on CPR and different things and first aid. And, and at the top of the paper, when they gave us our certificate, it says knowledge replaces fear. When you know what to do and you know how to do things, you don't get afraid. When you know this word... 
and what this word stands for and what the God of this world will do for you, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Amen? You don't have to be afraid. If you serve him, there's nothing keeping from performing this word for you. But it was back probably around 2012. I was preaching in Savannah, Georgia, and the Lord spoke to me. And he said, people don't serve me in church. And I stopped and I thought on it for a few minutes. And the Lord said, they come to my house to worship me. He said, but my people are supposed to serve me in their homes. Their home is where they should serve me. And there's, a lot, there's not a lot of people that serve God in their homes. Now you come to my house, if I feel like stopping right in the middle of my living room, throwing my hands up and shouting and praising God or talking in tongues, I'll do it. Because I'm not intimidated because I serve God in my home. There should be an atmosphere of the Spirit of God in your home. Instead, usually the computer or the television or the DVD player or whatever, all these things are going on in people's homes and there's no Spirit of God in there. You serve God in your home. And when people get, to work, get back to serving God, then the church is going to start filling up again. Because the family don't serve God. All right, you stop and think. If in your home there's upsetness, anger, fear, confusion, aggravation, vexation of spirit, and you come to the house of God, what are you going to bring with you? Same spirit. Confusion, fear, anger, upsetness, vexation, aggravation. You're going to come right in the house of God with it. And you're going to bring all that in here for me to have to deal with. Because I can feel every bit of upsetness and anger and vexation. I can feel it all in your spirit when you walk. When I step out here to preach, I can feel all these things going on in your spirit. I was preaching in Fort Payne one night, and I told the, I, I told the people sitting there, I said, y'all better be careful when I'm on this anointing. I said, I'll read your thoughts. Yeah. And there was a lady sitting there, and she said, hmm, I don't think you can read my thoughts. I walked right over to her. I said, you don't think I can do what? Her eyes got about that big round. And she backed up. And I exhorted some more, and I walked right back down the aisle where she's standing. I said, I can read your thoughts, can I? She said, yes, you sure can. <laughs> but it's by the Spirit of God. It's not nothing to me. But see, when you, don't, when you don't come to the house of God with the right spirit because it's not in your home, then if God does help you, and you come out from under all that, and you get a joy and a rejoicing of the Spirit of God inside of you, and you leave the house of God with that, and you take it back home, guess what's going to happen when you get home with it? The devil's going to steal it from you because there's not an atmosphere in your home to serve God. Did God do something in y'all last week? Both of you had a great week, didn't you? Peace. Y'all actually felt like you might love one another again. Huh? A little bit. But see, I told him last week and I prayed for him. See, all that was is God showing you what he'll do if you'll serve him. Give him a, and I told Brother Donald, I said, Spirit's fixing change in your home because they all live in the same 
I don't know how this Deborah does it. <laughs> Got this one, and that 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 one. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight. In a three-bedroom trailer, plus their other son, Justin. Of course, he got a camper out front. So nine people that woman got to deal with. I told her, I said, Sister Deborah, I said, somewhere I'd get me a stick. And I'd clean the house. But see, that's just the natural. But see, if you get the Spirit of God in there and people start serving God... And there's an atmosphere of prayer and study of the Word and there's a peace and a joy. It's easy. And then when you come to the house of God, you come and bring something to contribute to what God wants to do instead of coming in the house of God full of vexation, anger, and upsetness. So if God does move for you and you leave with joy and peace and you take it into a home that there's no joy of the Holy Ghost or no worship of God, no serving God, then the devil's just going to steal from you what God's given you. So you've got to start making changes. So you don't, you don't worship God at home. You can raise your hands and worship God. You can praise God. You can feel the presence of God and the Spirit of God right here. And God does something for you. You've got to take it back to your home. That's where you serve God. And when the family starts serving God in their home, then they're going to bring that to the house of God. And people are going to start coming to church. That's why I tell you, I don't serve God because I'm afraid of Him. I serve Him because I love Him. I serve Him because He loves me. Amen. That make any sense to anybody? Amen. So from the book of Psalms, 127, the very first verse, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. That build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. Let me see where I want to go now. All right, I want to go to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. And when y'all get there, say amen, because I want you to follow along in the Word with me. Because I want you to know what the Word says. And I'm going to teach you what this word says if you listen to me. Well, Brother Metter, I may not agree with what you say. Well, get you a Bible and study for yourself then. Learn what this word says. Because the Bible tells you in Proverbs, I have this right here, are health. The Bible says the word of God is health to your navel, small to your bones, it's peace. The word of God will give you peace. The word of God will give you peace. The Spirit of God will give you joy. Bible talks about people that serve God, said it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And said, that ain't even half of the story. Said, the half ain't never yet been told. When God saved you in that old red and white tent in 93, your whole attitude changed, didn't it? Whole spirit, whole mind, whole spirit of your home changed. It's a wonder that won't put up with you that long. I'm serious. But she did, because God had a plan for her. Somebody's got to be a witness to what God will do in your life. I'm a witness to what God will do in your life, because I've been faithful for 45 years. And God's fixing to reward me for my faithfulness. God's fixing to reward me for three years of labor 
preaching up here just a handful here and a handful there. It won't be just, what, three days. We've been in this church right here two years. We started on July the 5th. We've been in this church two years. We was in Sister Kathy's house for, I think, 13 months before God opened the door here and we moved over here and we done it just a handful, just a handful. God's fixing to reward our faithfulness. God's fixing to reward our labors. He, he's on the way to fill this church up. I feel it. I've told, I've told y'all ever since I come in here, God's going to fill this church up and run it over and we're going to build a bigger church. Ain't that right? been telling you ever since July the 5th, 2015, God going to fill this church up. God going to run it over because God had this church built so this word could be preached right here on these grounds. 1937, they built a brush arbor out here and worshiped in that brush arbor 10 years before they built this church in 1947. In this area around here, this first place, the name of Jesus and Holy Ghost was preached. And it was preached here for years and people got persecuted for it. They was hated for it. They got lied on, talked about, mistreated. But God put it here, and now he's brought this word right behind it. Anybody love the Lord today? Amen. Hallelujah. From 1 Corinthians, 3rd chapter, 10th verse. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth their own. But let every man take heed how he buildeth their own. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is in Jesus Christ. Now if any man build up on this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. The fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now I want you to go back with me to Acts, second chapter. I'm probably going to read some very familiar scriptures. And then I want to talk to you for about three and a half hours about the Word. And if y'all will pull with me and work with me, I'll be through in about 45 minutes. Maybe. It's no trouble for me to preach two and a half, three hours. But I usually try to Get through in about 45 minutes. Acts 2 and verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and unto your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. 
Then they that gladly received the word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. This kind of move God's bringing in. This kind of move God's bringing in. Now I want to talk to you today. Except the Lord build the house, you labor in vain. Did I hear you say that you tried to serve God from the time you was 12 years old? In, out. In, out. In, out. And then, what'd you say, 83, you got hooked on drugs? Somewhere in there? Went all the way from 76 to 93, messing with drugs. But if God had built the house, 93 on, you've been solid. Pretty much. You know why? God started building the house. I'm talking about this house. God started building the house. How many times in the Lord, and I know your mama was fireball, praying woman, love God, and the preachers you sat under, they were hard preachers, straight preachers. But I bet there was times you was in and out, in and out, in and out. A lot of y'all been in and out, in and out. This young man right here, is this your daddy? How many times you been in and out? Don't even want to count. And see, that's what I'm saying. When God really sets up a fire in your soul, and he starts building the house and you really submit to him, there ain't no in and out. There ain't no in and out. And that's why it said, except God build the house, you labor in vain. Josh, I know how your mom and daddy raised you. They raised you to believe the truth. But you didn't live by the truth. Have you ever had a real experience with God where God was just really on fire and real in your soul? Not really. But now see, God is going to start building the house. Because God has a time for every one of you. You tell me why God lets you rock on from 76 to 93. Because in your heart you loved him. You wanted to serve him. Just like a good friend of mine, a lady minister down in Savannah. And I went to the mission field with her in India several different times. She got she pastor in the church now, but when she was a teenager, she got hooked on cocaine. Started stealing, and her daddy was a big businessman in the city, and she stole checks and money from her daddy. Her own daddy had her put in jail. She stayed in jail a year. God saved her in jail. She was in a jail with a bunch of uh, cell with a bunch of women. She'd get up every morning. The Spirit of the Lord wake her up five thirty, six o'clock. She'd go to prayer. She'd be down praying at her bed. Said the women would walk around her. They'd shake the bed. They'd shake her. They'd hit on her. They'd cuss her. They'd spit on her. They'd spit in her food. She said, "I learned to pray. Didn't let them bother me." She said, "I learned to pray." 
when she come out of jail, she kept serving God. She said, and I got out of jail. She said, it's time to go to church. She said, I didn't have a car, didn't really have a place to live. She said, I had old ragged blue jeans and a shirt. And she said, I started out walking to church. said, hitchhiking, trying to get the house of God. That's how determined I was to keep serving God. But she told me, and I've heard her in her testimony. She said, Brother Metter, she said, for several years, she said, I lived in hell. I lived as a drug addict. I lived with an abusive man. She said, that man got on me one night and beat me so bad. She said, they put me in the emergency room and had to do plastic surgery on my face. And she said, my own daddy come in there and looked at me. He said, that ain't my daughter. I don't even recognize her. Couldn't recognize her. She'd been beat so bad in her face. But she said, through all that, she said, I was bound, but I didn't want to be bound, but I didn't know how to get free. She didn't know how to get free because that spirit had got a hold of her. But when it come time for God to build a house, he put something down in her spirit. I believe God's put something in your spirit this time. God put something in her spirit. And she said, Brother Meta, when they come and arrested me, she said, I was a drug addict, a drug dealer. And she said, I had a pistol stuck in my belt at 18 years old, hunting for a man that had double-crossed me on a drug deal. She said, I fixed to blow his brains out. And she said, they got me just before I got to him to kill him. And she said, it's a good thing. said, because that man made a preacher. She said, but I didn't know how to get free. You know what caused God to get a hold of her? She had an old-time grandmama that went to, uh, had old-time religion, just like your mama, praying woman, loved God, served God. She started praying for her when she was about three years old for God to change her. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God's moving right now, and God is beginning uh, to build the house. Uh, you ain't going to do it in yourself. Uh, you ain't going to do it on your own. Uh, you ain't going to do it by how good you are. Uh, you ain't going to do it because uh, you're afraid of God. Uh, you're going to do it when God dies. Uh, sets his love down in your heart uh, and lets you know for God uh, so loved the world uh, that he gave his only begotten son uh, that whosoever believeth in him uh, should not perish uh, but should come to the place uh, that he can everlasting, have everlasting life. Uh, for God sent not his son uh, into the world to condemn the world uh, but that the world through him uh, might be saved. Religion condemns you. God don't condemn you. You hear me? The devil's smart. He'll play both ends of the stick. He'll make you do something wrong and then condemn you for doing it wrong. Y'all hear what I said? Devil's smart. He ain't nothing you can outsmart or play with. The only thing that gets you past the enemy is the Spirit of God. I said the Spirit of God, but when God starts building the house... Then he starts putting things in here and he expects you to live by him and he expects you to serve him. Are y'all following with me today? That's the reason when Peter stood up and started exhorting about Jesus on the day of Pentecost. Man, he, he took them first probably from about 
verse 17 in the second chapter on through verse 37 he exhorted about Jesus told him about Jesus I told him who he was told him what he had done I, and when he got down to verse 36 he said I want y'all to know something I, this same Jesus whom y'all has crucified I, and put to death on that cross I, said he ain't just Lord he is the Christ I, he's the savior of the world and he's paid I, for your sins with his body with his blood I, with his very soul he has paid uh, for your sins and they stood up uh, and they screamed out at Peter and the apostles uh, said tell us what to do uh, tell us what to do uh, tell us what we need to do uh, he said what you need to do is repent uh, repent uh, that word repent uh, means to change your mind uh, and turn away from what you're doing repent and be baptized Go down in that water as a confession that the blood of Jesus has washed your sins away. That the washing of the water of the Word has cleansed you. And you're different. Do that outward confession. And you'll see a difference come in your spirit. You'll see a difference come down in your soul and in your mind. My God, you'll come out of torment and vexation and go into peace and joy. Are y'all listening to me? You'll have peace, just like God give y'all peace and joy this week. Man, don't stop there. Follow on with it. Repent and tell God you want to change and let the Spirit of God get in you. Get that get that repentance. Get baptized in that water as an outward confession. I am ready to make a change. I am ready to change uh, from this creature that I am. I, I'm ready to come out of my vexation. I, I'm ready to come out of my misery. I, I'm ready to come out of my loneliness and heartache. I, I'm ready for God uh, Almighty to change me. Uh, and I'm going to repent uh, and be baptized uh, in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin. Remission means he washes it away. He washes away. Do you know there's a scripture that says when you ask God to forgive your sins, He don't only forgive them, He forgets them. He forgets them. And y'all ever heard that group sing that song as far as east is from west? It's, it's several years old now. I think it was what, Casting Crown sang it? As far as east is from west? Do y'all know what that means? I'll show you what it means. This is the closest thing I got to a globe, but I'll use it. Let's say you go down here to Atlanta and get on an airplane, and you fly north. You're only going to fly north so far that you're going to fly south, and you're going to fly south so far that you're going to start flying north again. Is that right? But you go down there and you get on that plane and you fly east. You go out over the Atlantic Ocean, come in over Europe, come over Russia, come over Asia, come back over the Pacific Ocean, back over California. You're still flying east. North and south will meet. You go north long enough, you're going to go south. You go south long enough, you're going to go north. You get on that same plane or get on a different plane, you fly west. You go across the United States, out over the Pacific Ocean, come back in over Asia, come back in over Europe, come back in over the Atlantic Ocean, 
in over the east coast back to Atlanta, still flying west. You know why? East and west don't ever meet. The Lord said, I will remove your sins as far as east is from west. And the twain shall never meet because I will put them in the sea of forgetfulness and I will forget everything you've done wrong. I will not only forgive it, I will forget it. There's a difference between forgiving and forgetting. He said, I not only forgive, he said, I won't. He said, I won't remember everything, all your iniquities. I won't remember what you've done wrong. You repent and be baptized in water in my name. I will give you the remission of all your sins. And I will send the gift of my spirit into your lives and into your hearts. And my spirit will take its abode in you and begin to change you from the creature that you one time were. I will begin to change you and make a difference in who you are and what you are. Y'all hear on the news all the time these people getting arrested out and, and, and they'll say, well, my God, they got a rap sheet. <laughs> 25, 30 offenses on it. Say you got a rap sheet, got 25, 30 offenses on it. You come to the Lord. You say, Lord, forgive me. I want to change. The Lord will walk in there with that big old eraser. Everything that's written against you, he'll erase it. You come up before the judge and the devil starts accusing you. So I remember when he done so-and-so. The Lord opened that book. He'll look through them pages under Dwayne Pack. And he said, no. Ain't nothing there. Ain't nothing written down. Jesus will say, Lord, I don't find nothing here to accuse this man. You know why? The Lord blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against you. When you should have died and went to hell, when you should have paid for your sins, Jesus paid for them. And when you accept him as your Savior, when you accept him as your Savior, every handwriting, every ordinances that's written down, that's why when he opens in books on Judgment Day, you better hope that you have prayed and asked the Lord to forgive you because it's what it, every deed that man does is written in them books. And when them books are opened against you on Judgment Day, you better hope nothing's there. You better hope the Lord has taken the very handwriting of ordinances that is against you and by his blood has blotted them out by his blood has forgiven them and not only forgiven them but has forgotten them by God I hope somebody's going with me today cause it is time for the spirit of God to move in the earth like he did in the book of Acts it's time for souls to be gathered in it's time for people to be set free the devil thinks he's got this world bound he's got people bound in their minds in their bodies in their spirits. We live in a wicked generation. But one baptism and outpouring of the Holy Ghost and God will save 3,000 in one service. And I know people don't, they don't believe that. But let me tell you something. I've been in India. I've had my own crusades in India. I've worked with other missionaries in India. I had a crusade in a little old town down at the foot of a mountain. It wasn't 10 miles up the top of that mountain, and we stayed up on top of that mountain because there wasn't nothing in that town fit to stay in. 
I mean, I've stayed in motels in India. I wouldn't put my dog in. I'm serious. Stink, full of bugs, infestation, nasty. And they rented me a motel room right down the road from the crusade because I'd come out of the meeting. I'd just be soaked. It's so hot over. I'd just be soaked with me a dry stitch on me. And I'd go down that motel and I would have a change of clothes and I would shower and change clothes and I had to hold my breath near the whole time I was in that motel. It stunk so bad. But I could get a shower and change clothes so I wouldn't have to ride. Because going up that mountain, the road was so curvy, it'd take you 30 minutes to go out 10 miles back up that mountain. But 15, 20, and 25,000 people a night come out to that crusade. And I've seen anywhere from 15 to 20,000 a night come forward and accept Jesus. And they took them and baptized them. I didn't get to be a part of the baptism. I would teach down there every morning. I would teach mostly the pastors. But you know what? It got to where just in the morning services and I was teaching, I'd have two, three hundred people wanting to learn about the Word of God. And I'd teach them. I'd lay hands on them. The Spirit of God would touch them. And then I'd come back that night and preach anywhere from 15 to 25, 30,000 and see God do divine miracles and baptize and the last night of the meeting, I had about 40,000 people. And we was on a big concrete stage. And I prayed for people, preached and prayed for people. And they had the car. I told them, y'all, put the car right beside the platform or right beside the stage. Because I knew what them people would do. They'll throng you. And they didn't know I was leaving about 15 minutes before the service was over. And I told them that was the last night I was going to be there. And I turned it over to somebody else. I went down and got in the car. Locked all the doors. And somebody had rolled the window down on the side I was sitting, and I didn't notice it. And there was a lady there that God had changed her life. And she had gotten baptized and accepted Jesus. She was Hindu. She was bound in idolatry. And she come running down that stage. It, it had ramps on it. And she jumped. And her whole upper body come through that car window, Sister Deborah. She wrapped her hands around my neck and put her face and her cheek up next to my cheek and tears just pouring down her face. She said, don't leave, man of God, don't leave. Don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. My life has changed. Please don't leave. And I had to peel that woman off of me. And there was people standing there by the hundreds just wanting to tell me how much they loved and appreciated what God had done. God will change your life. And he will not only change your life if you will submit to him and begin to get structure. See, I see so many people accept God and accept his salvation and even may get a measure of his spirit, but then they don't get any spiritual structure in their life. And they don't learn how to serve God and go on and let God change them and let God work in them. And the next thing you know, they're just empty Christians. If you're going to serve God, make up your mind you're going to serve Him. Make up your mind you're going to take the Word of God and get under a pastor that can build you on the Word of God, teach you to pray, teach you to study the Word, teach you what the Word says, and can teach you how to serve God in your everyday life. This ain't a Sunday thing. This ain't a Wednesday thing. This is an everyday walk with God that you have to structure in your life and you've got to learn to read that word every day. 
You've got to learn to pray every day. You've got to learn to put God's Word in practice in your life every day. And when you start doing that, and you start getting spiritual structure in your life, then it makes God a reality to you. He ain't just something you go to a service and somebody cranks up the music. I'm not against music, but I am against entertainment in the church. I'm against entertainment because I believe all entertainment does is get your flesh excited. That's all it does, get you excited. They can sing what y'all call a good gospel song. You can call it a tearjerker. You can call it what you want to. You'll be crying. You'll be holding back tears. Y'all have any songs that move you, make you cry? I'm talking about gospel songs. They can touch you. They can move in your emotions. I told somebody one time, I said, if I want to cry, I said, I'll go see if I can find the, the movie. And some of y'all may have seen it years ago. I said, I'll go watch Lassie come home. If I just want to have a good cry. I don't need God just to touch my emotions. I need God to do something in my spirit, man. I need to learn how to pray and know that when I pray... That God is hearing me. See, when you get confidence and you walk with God and you're doing what He tells you, then you've got confidence He hears your prayers. Let's go to 1 John, the third chapter. Or just put this scripture in my heart. And see this right here? This is a weapon. General, this is a weapon. Bible calls this a sword of the Spirit. This is a weapon. When I'm in a fight with the enemy, this is what I use. I know what it says, and I know how to use it. I believe it, and I stand on it, and I won't be moved by what these eyes see. I won't be moved by the fear and the anxiety and the upsetness that comes in because I know what this tells me. I know what this tells me. Amen. Let me see if I can find... Let me see if I can find what I'm looking for. Okay. Uh, 1 John, 3rd chapter. Let's go to verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but indeed in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before Him. When you know the truth and you believe it, then you have confidence in God. Yes. You can have confidence God's going to do what He said. If the Bible says in Isaiah 53, in verse 5, He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was on Him, and with His stripes we were healed, and you believe that, then you believe God's going to heal you. You believe that. But just to read it and quote it, don't make you believe it. I've told people for years. I said, you don't have faith in God? And I said, you get a terminal illness? I said, there's people who will not go to the doctor because they've been taught don't go to the doctor. I said, you ain't got faith in God. You better go to the doctor and get some help. I said, they're going to bury you somewhere. Because I don't go along with that. Do I like going to the doctor? No, I don't. 
I believe doctors are good for setting bones and birthing babies. <laughs> Other than that, I want my trust in Jesus. Y'all following with me? Verse 20. For if our hearts condemn us, or if you've done something outside of God's word that you're being condemned for, for if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. When you've got condemnation in your heart, you can't believe God to move because you're being accused because you've done wrong. And the enemy will accuse you. Am I making sense to you? The enemy will... He, he'll, he'll get you to mess up, and then he'll point his finger at you. <laughs> Say, look at there, God, he messed up. You can't move for him, he messed up. That was smart. Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not. That means if you're living by the word the best you know how, and you do something wrong, ask God to forgive you. Don't throw caution to the wind. Well, well I, because the devil will tell you, you done sinned, you done messed up, you might as well go ahead back out in the world. You might as well live for me again. No. You stop. You ask God to forgive you. You repent of what you've done wrong. And you say, Lord, I need your help. You just don't quit serving God. Because we all going to make mistakes and we all going to get upset. And there's one thing about Walking with the Lord. If you're in a relationship or you married, but the one you love the most will set you on fire the quickest and the hottest. <laughs> they will. She can push your buttons quicker than anybody. And same goes with you. Why? Because you love one another. You know one, one another's weak points. And some people just know how to push your buttons. And don't tell me y'all don't got buttons. You do got buttons. We all got buttons. I got buttons. <laughs> she can push my buttons and make me madder than anything in a, in a heartbeat. But thank God I'm growing in God, and we don't push one of those buttons. Not on purpose. And then when we do push one of those buttons... God's give us a wisdom and an understanding that we can talk it through in just a couple of minutes. Everything's back on track. But see, the devil will play you one against another. He will. He'll play you. And the devil will get you to a place that your heart will condemn you because you've done wrong. And then when your heart condemns you because you've done wrong, you say, now God ain't going to move for you. You messed up. The devil's a fox. He's smart. But if you serve God the best you know how, and he said, if our hearts condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. When you do things that please God because you love Him. You do things to please Him because you love Him. You do things to please her because you love her. I do things to please her because I love her. She does things to please me. You're supposed to do things to try to please one another if you love somebody. Am I making sense? And so he says right here, 
If our hearts don't condemn us and we ask God to do something, we know He's going to do it because we're striving to keep His commandments and please Him. We're trying to do right. Does anybody know what the word righteousness means? Anybody? People tell you you can't live righteous. Yeah, you can. Because the word righteous means to be in right standing with God that all sins are washed away. There's a sinner get on their knees and pray and repent, ask God to forgive all their sins. They believe it. They get off their knees. They're in right standing with God. There's nothing at that moment to keep God from moving for them because there's no charge against them. In other words, they have prayed. God has forgiven their sins. He's washed them in His blood, and they're standing before the Lord righteous at that moment. There's nothing to keep God from moving for you. There's nothing to keep that word right there from being put in force in your life. But what you have to do from that point is learn how to put spiritual structure in your life. Learn to start living by God's word and keeping God's word and continue on to do what's right in his sight. Then you've always got a friend. I used to preach a message years ago called You Got a Friend in Jesus. You got a friend in Jesus. Turn your Bible to 1 John, the second chapter, right there, sis. You, you right there at it. Just turn back over to the second chapter. I may not, very first verse, I may not quote it exactly right, but it says, Little children, I write unto you that you sin not. Is that about what it says? That you, you don't sin. It's not God's will for you to sin. He said, But if you do sin... We have an advocate with the Father. Oh, we've got a friend in Jesus who is the propitiation for our sins and not our sins only, but the sins of the whole world. That word propitiation means he's a pleasing sacrifice. And he's taken away all sin. So it's not God's will for you to sin. But if you do sin, you've got a friend, you've got an advocate. Jesus is your friend. He said, look, he said, I've paid for you. I stood where the devil had you bound in sin and your soul was weighed down, ready to go to hell, and I paid it all for you. I paid it all for you. Now, I'm your friend. I've given my blood, I've given my life, I've given my soul. I've paid that you can be set free. So we have a a propitiation with the Father. We have a pleasing sacrifice with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. He's paid for everything. So all you got to do right there, if you have, call on His name. Ask Him to forgive you. You don't have to go get baptized again. I believe it's good to get baptized every so often. It just renews your vow with the Lord. But every time you make a mistake, you don't have to go get baptized again. You just ask him to forgive you. And when he does, he takes that sin and he throws it over and that old sea of forgetfulness. And he don't remember it no more. Therefore, there's nothing to keep him from moving for you. There's nothing to keep the Word from not working. The Word of God works. It works. Amen. So, you've got to learn spiritual structure. Learn to put things in place in your life that's going to help you serve God. It's going to help you live for God.
And you know what a lot of, there's a lot of people, like I said, they repent, they get baptized, they may even receive a, a measure of the Holy Ghost. But then it's like after they serve God for so long, they just quit doing anything. They quit praying, quit studying the Word, quit reading their Bible. I've been studying the Word and reading my Bible and praying for 45 years, almost daily, because I love God. I love, and He's always showing me something new in the Word. Always showing me something new in the Word. Always showing me something that'll touch somebody's life, that'll help me be a help to somebody. Because I can't help anybody unless God helps me. It's not by my power and it's not by my mind. It's by God's Spirit. It's by God's Spirit. Y'all hear me? It's by God's Spirit. Therefore, we've got to learn to serve God. Learning to serve God is something, it's something you learn. It's not something just because you get the Holy Ghost, you automatically know how to do because like I said, a lot of people, they, they quit serving. They, they may say they're Christians. They may even feel the Spirit of God and talk in tongues. But they've got no spiritual structure in their life. They're, they're not faithful to pray. They're not faithful to study the Word. They're not faithful to go to the house of God. When I got saved and gave my heart to the Lord, when the Lord really touched my life, when I was 19 years old, I wanted to go to church. I wanted to pray. I wanted to study the Word. And I was staying with some people when I first got saved. And Tuesday night we had service. And I always liked to get there about 6, 6.30 and go to prayer. And that's something y'all will find if you attend this church. I want you here to pray before service. I want you here at least 30, 40 minutes. Because when you pray, it brings everybody's heart into unity. And bring everybody's heart and the mind of the Spirit and what God wants to do. And minds ain't scattered all over the place. We're all reaching for God to do something. And we're all reaching for the same thing, whether we know it or not. So, I come in from work and I ask them. I said, what time we leave and go? Oh, we don't go to church on Tuesday night. I said, you know what? Oh, we don't go to church on Tuesday night. Our preacher ain't preaching, the assistant pastor. I said, what difference does that make? I said, man, I won't go to church and pray. I want to go to church and be in the presence of God. I want to go hear the Word. I'm hungry. I love Jesus for what He's done in my life. And here's the thing you got to remember. I don't care what you're fighting, what you're dealing with. You come get in the house of God. I don't care if you don't feel nothing. I don't care if you sit there and you battle the whole service. Being under that Word and under that anointing will do something in you and help you whether you realize it or not. And somewhere, whatever you're battling, the Bible said the Word of God is like a hammer. You preach that Word long enough under that Spirit, whatever's trying to bind you or whatever's warned against you, that Word of God is a hammer. It'll break that rock. Whether you realize it or not, whether you understand it or not. That's why I told you, Brother Josh, you get in this church. I don't care what you go out there Monday through Saturday and do. You start getting in this church, God will start putting conviction in your heart to change who you are and the way you live and what you do. God will do it in every one of you, and he will start building some spiritual structure. See, when you repent and get baptized in water, that lays the foundation. And y'all ever been around building houses? What's your trade? A little bit of You build houses? First thing you do, you get that foundation right. Get them corners square. 
Get everything right where all the rest of your lumber is going to fit. You get that foundation right. If you don't get that foundation right, everything's messed up. So Paul said, I'm a wise master builder and I've laid the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. There ain't no other foundation that can be laid. Josh, you're around building a lot. You don't get that foundation square. You don't get everything right on that foundation. You don't square them corners. When I put a building up, I, 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 built, my, I built both my houses. I built one in 95 and it burnt in 2003 and I turned around and built another one. My house was 50 foot long, 30 foot wide, and I laid it out, I squared it, I done everything, and over 50 foot, I was only half three quarters of an inch out of square over 50 foot. And that ain't enough you're going to see it. That ain't enough going to mess you up with nothing. But if you don't get that foundation, so Paul said, I've laid the foundation. He said, but let every man take heed how he builds their own. So you, you can get put on the right foundation, but you've got to know how to build and have spiritual structure in your relationship with God. You ever framed a wall? You ever framed a wall? You ever laid your boards out, went down through there, marked your 16s on center, come back in and nailed them down, put your top, uh, put your top plate on and put a top plate on that, stand your wall up and nail it down? But if you go down through there, and you go, 16, 32, 48, we don't need that. What is that? What is that, 48? 64, something, 60. And then you, you keep going. Every thriftful board, you yank one of your studs out. Yank one of your wall supports out. Don't put your top plate on it. You get that wall stood up, you've got a weak wall. you got something that ain't going to hold a lot of weight. Well, when you cut corners in the Word of God and you don't build yourself spiritually and get a structure then you're going to be weak in your relationship and your walk with God. It don't take that long every day to stop and pray and study that Word and ask God to help you. 15, 20 minutes, time y'all drink a cup of coffee. You can say a prayer from your heart. You can mean it and you can ask God to give you direction. Ask God to, you can open that Bible and read a chapter. Get the Word in your spirit. Get started out right. And you start building spiritual structure. Because if you don't, when you put them walls up and half your wall studs are missing and you go to put a second floor on it, you ain't going to have nothing to sustain the weight. You get that second floor up on there, you ain't got a load-bearing wall underneath it. They're going to wobble and rattle and shake. And pretty soon it'll fall down. So you have to learn spiritual structure. You've got to learn going to the house of God is important every time the door's open. You've got to learn Reading that word and learning what that word says and what it'll do for you is important. You've got to learn praying every day and talking to the Lord. Puts you on a one-on-one -on -one relationship with Him. You don't have to ask your wife to pray for you. You don't have to ask your pastor to pray for you. You don't have to ask your brother or sister to pray for you. You can. But when you develop that relationship with God yourself, then you're on a one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. You're on a one-on-one -on -one basis. But most people, they start going through things. They'll call somebody to pray for them. You know why? I have people call me all the time to pray for them. Brother Metter, I'm going through this. I need prayer. I'm going through that. I need prayer. Brother Metter, I'm fighting this. I'm fighting that. I need somebody. You know why you do that? Because you don't have any confidence in the relationship with God that you have yourself. You don't have any faith in God. You got faith in my faith. 
That's the reason people call me, Brother Dwayne. They got faith in my faith. You've heard all your life since you've heard of me. I'm a man of miracles. I'm a man of faith. I'm a man of deliverance. And that's right. But you need to have faith in your God yourself. You don't, you don't need to have faith in my faith. You don't need to have faith in my God. You need to have faith in your God. You need to have faith in your God. Brother Josh, when God healed your eye, when that piece of conduit hit you in your eye, and I was five miles away and prayed for over your phone, God dried that blood up and healed that eye. God wants you to see that he was a God of reality. You knew he was. But see, God done that for you so you could develop a relationship with God, and God would be God to you. It's all right for God to be God to me, but you need God to be God for you. And I hope I'm making sense today. I hope I'm making sense today. Because Jesus shed his blood for every one of us. Washed away our sins. That his blood and his body, the Bible said, would be a ransom for many. That's why he told his disciples at the Last Supper when he, when he took the wine and he drank it, he said, this is my blood. He took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body. He said, I give this to pay for the sins of many. The Lord's already paid for your sins. He's already paid for your healing. When he took him stripes on his back, he paid for your healing. You just got to accept it. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I could stand right here, Brother Dwayne, and I could hold these in my hand. I could say healing, miracles, deliverance, faith. And I could say, I bought these for you. But if you don't ever put out your hand and take them and believe it, it's just going to lay there with no life in it. You've got to believe. You've got to believe that Jesus Christ, and I know you've seen the movies, The Passion of the Christ. You've seen where they tied Jesus to that whip and just beat his back bloody raw. You've seen them kind of movies where they just beat him? Never seen them? You've seen them? Y'all, you won't watch them? But you need to know. Anybody ever seen the Passion? Yeah. Ever seen where Jesus got beat? Somebody gave it to me, and I was going to watch it. My wife said, "Don't watch that." Oh, I watch she said, "Don't don't watch him getting beat like that." <coughs> I said, "Why?" That's what he done for us. Bible said he turned his back to the smiters, and every stripe that went on his back was for the healing of your body, the cleansing of your soul. It was for you. It was for you. Amen. I used to preach when I was out under my tents. I had a message that I preached when the Lord would move on me. And it's Jesus came to heal the whole man. He didn't save you and leave you a sinner. He didn't heal you. Now, he didn't save you and leave you sick. He didn't heal you and leave you a sinner. Because when he paid for one, he paid for all. You understand what I'm saying? He paid for it all. You can't separate the cross and the stripes and the blood and the body of Jesus and say, well, this was for healing, this was for this, this was for that. He paid it all. And he also made your mind whole. If you do any studying and you get a chance, go back to a Greek dictionary and look up the word salvation. When you look up the word salvation, 
It'll tell you it's healing for the soul, the mind, and the body. When Jesus walked in that house, and people heard this in there and they gathered, people around him, the Bible said there wasn't even so much room in the house, they'd raise their hand and eat bread. People just pressed on them. And Jesus was preaching there. And people were getting healed. And some men come by, and they wouldn't know what that commotion was, and they told them what was going on. They went and got one of their friends, had palsy. Towed him back on a stretcher. Tried to get him in about the door. They couldn't get him about the door. They climbed up on the roof, took the roof off. Tied ropes on the stretcher, let him down right in front of Jesus. And I want you to pay attention to what Jesus said. When Jesus could have said, be saved, or be healed, he said, be saved. When they let him down, Jesus looked at him, he said, son, he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. And everybody sitting around him, especially all the religious, said, what is it? Why is this man doing this? Why is he telling this man his sins are forgiven? Don't they know that only God alone can forgive sin? And Jesus perceived their thoughts. He looked at them. He said, let me ask you a question. Which is easier to say? Rise, take up the bed and walk, or thy sins be forgiven thee. He said, but to show you that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. He looked at the man. He said, get up and walk. And got off his sick bed. So Jesus said, what's easier to say? Your sins be forgiven or be made whole? Because he paid for one, he paid for it all. He paid for it all. Amen. He paid for it all, Sister Pat. So that's why we don't need to serve God and just take advantage of part of his benefits. He paid for it all. Amen. He paid for it all. For God so loved the world. He freely gave His own Son. His only begotten Son. Can you imagine giving one of your sons to be sacrificed and be put to death to spare other people's lives? Hard thing to deal with. I couldn't imagine it. I got one son. I love him. I couldn't imagine it. Could y'all imagine taking Joshua and doing something like that? For God so loved the world that he freely gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe on that name Jesus, whoever would believe on him, whoever would turn their life over to him and let God take, said he's going to have everlasting life. But to have everlasting life, you've got to get spiritual structure. People don't have any structure in their life spiritually. They know about baptism. They know about repentance. Some know that if they receive the Holy Ghost, they may speak a few words in tongues. But as far as really serving God and staying committed to walk with God, people don't have structure in their life. It's so like I said, you don't have structure in your home. You don't have the presence of God and the Spirit of God in your home. You ain't going to bring it to church. And if God does something for you in church, you take it back in upsetness and confusion, you ain't going to keep it very long. So you've got to do what's right in God's eyes. And you know where a lot of people miss in part of their worship? Giving to God. 
giving is, is worship. When you're really grateful what God's doing in your life and how He's moving for you, blessing you, at least it was with me, I wanted to give as a form of worship to thank God for His blessings and His goodness. I wanted to give. It aggravated me if I went to church and didn't have nothing to give. But I wanted to give because I loved Him. I serve God because I love Him. I don't serve Him for any other reason. But I do my best to live by this Word because I know what this Word will do for me. I know, how to, I know how it's changed me. Because if I hadn't turned to God when I had, I might not be living today. Because I was headed down the wrong road. And I wasn't mean. I wasn't bad. I stayed out of trouble most of my life. But I was one, I had a temper. If you ever made me mad, I'd see the Star Spangled Banner playing, fireworks go off. And I didn't care if you were six foot ten and outweighed me three times. I'd light into you like a buzzsaw. If you ever really made me mad, that's just the way I was. And somewhere that kind of spirit gets you hurt. <laughs> was that song they had out way back there? You get an attitude adjustment. <laughs> And I knew if God hadn't changed me, I probably wouldn't be living. But God changed me, and he's made me a vessel, and he's put structure in me that I can try to help other people find him. I can try to help other people find him. But you've got to let that word work for you. If you let that word work for you, see, you can't outgive God. Just take that example brother elder his boss gave him that $300 as a bonus but because he's putting on this radio broadcast it's going to cause God to bless him yeah. we first got our travel trailer up here he made a commitment to help us with the lot rent every week and he walked in work one day and his boss said come here wrote him out a check for several hundred dollars just gave it to him they had a loan out on one of their vehicles. Loan company called Sister Deborah and asked her to come in. She called Brother Donald. She went in and talked to him. She said, we just want y'all to know how much we appreciate y'all. Y'all been good customers. You've done business with us. Wrote the loan off. Said it's paid for. I'm talking about several hundred dollars. Just paid for. And you know what done it? Giving to God. Worshiping God and giving. Worshiping God and giving. When God blesses you, you need to give. Amen. I don't care what I have or what I don't have. The second God blesses me, I set aside my tithe and I set aside an offering. Always. And before me and my wife got married, for Dwayne, I gave God 50% of everything he put in my hands. 50%. I paid my tithe, usually 10, 15, 20% sometimes, and then I had no 20, 30% offering that I'd help preachers, I'd help missionaries, I'd help other people because I loved God and He had done so much for me. And for years after we married and had kids, I still gave 40 and 50%. And it's caused God to bless me. Was talking to our kids, and I mean, Sister Deborah, you've been to my house. God's blessed us with a nice house. I mean, God has blessed us. And I was telling my kids last night, we was talking, all my kids and grandkids come over. And we 
it was my daughter-in-law's birthday back on the 29th and my mother-in-law's birthday back on the 29th. So we celebrated their birthdays. We celebrated 4th of July because they ain't going to get to come. And we were sitting there talking. And I don't know how this, I think some of you come up about us living in a travel trailer up here. And we're ready for a house. I mean, we're ready to stretch out. And my wife said, I, I, I'm tired of the restroom so small. And I've got this saying that, you know, we'll go out sometimes. And you stop on the road and ask them if they got a restroom, buy you something, drink, snack. And you go in the restroom. And I tell them, I come back out and I said, my God, man, that thing was so small. I had to come outside and change my mind. And that's about the way it is in travel trailer. If you've ever been in one, most of them. And kids got talking about it. We got talking about it. I said, that ain't nothing. I said, me and your mama first started on the road, started out for Jesus. My sister-in-law spoke up, said, yeah, I remember. Said, your travel trailer was 21 foot long and about 7 foot wide. I said, that's about right. I said, we started out less than 200 square feet. An old ragged tent, an old beat-up pickup truck, an old beat-up trailer. But was happy was happy but the way God's blessed me has not turned my faith in God because I know everything comes through him and by him and if God asked for it today I'd put it on the market and sell it put every penny in the gospel which we sell it and move up here which we plan on doing somewhere as God leads us we'll probably put a lot of it in doing something for God up here because I know God's going to build a church up here. And he's going to fill it up and help folks. Because it's going to work just like this. It's going to bring deliverance to folks' lives. Amen. It's going to cause them to repent. And it ain't just the repentance. God's going to bring deliverance to them. God's going to bring deliverance to them. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother Dwayne, come here. <coughs> You've been taking that stuff. And you said it's kind of burnt your throat. You got water back there with you? Bring his water up here, sis. You said it hurts to swallow. You believe God will do this? Now I want you to I don't want you to believe in me. Because there ain't nothing in me except a gift that God's put in me. But God's put a gift of healing and miracles in me. I'm gonna curse this pain. I'm gonna curse this tenderness. It's hard for you to swallow that water right now, ain't it? In Jesus' name, God, you heal this burn. God, where this radiation is, burn his throat. God, I can... Oh, do a creative miracle in the name of Jesus Christ. Right now. Right now, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. See, I believe he's going to be all right. I don't believe he's going to die. I believe God's going to bring him through this. Now, take a swallow. Tell me how it feels. hundred times better. That's what, see, God's doing a creative miracle in that throat. That's just a sign to you if you'll believe and won't fear, and you will. Take this word today, and you will start out serving God. When you go down that water down there, 
New beginning. You're going to start out brand new with God. You're going to start out brand new with Him. And you're going to have to know He bore them stripes for your healing. You don't have to carry this. And that's what I told you. Don't ever confess. What I told you, don't ever confess. And last week forward, you got cancer. Don't confess it. Don't believe it. Don't confess it. Believe it and say, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. A lot better. Praise God. Y'all go ahead and lift your hands and praise. I'm going to tell you, this word's been real today. How many of y'all appreciate this word today? It's been real and it's been solid. Amen. But see, Brother Dwayne, you may not know, but in February 2000, I fell off a roof. Went down 22 feet. Landed flat on my stomach. And I called people to go pray for me. Laying on the ground, going into shock. I called people to go pray. I laid on the ground probably an hour, hour and a half. I was going in and out of consciousness, going into shock. And I come to him, my daddy lost in there talking. I said, you better get him to the hospital. See, he's busted all up inside. My stomach had swollen up like a basketball. She come over and unbuckled my jeans and said, he's, he's probably got internal bleeding. Said, he's all broke up inside. Said, he better get him to the doctor. She looked at her daddy and said, Daddy, said, me and him done had this conversation. If he's conscious and he said, don't go to the doctor, he don't go to the doctor. Said, he don't go to the doctor unless he says he's going to the doctor. Said, we done have, we, we got this agreement. And I laid on that ground for probably an hour, hour and a half, praying, having people pray and believe in God. And I told her, I said, I'm going to get up. And when I moved my feet to get up, put pressure on my spine, there ain't no way I could get up. They had to come get me. I spent five days in the hospital. They come in there and told my wife, see, he's got L5 mashed flat as a pancake, L1 fractured in my disc said he's broken these two ribs said his pelvic bone from the base of his spine all the way down to his tailbone separated three corners of an inch and said he's fractured that elbow and said we're going to go in there and do surgery put a plate on it here and put a plate on it there and we're going to see if we can pull it back together that doctor walked out of the room I said you go get my discharge papers and take me home I said they ain't cutting on me I said I done seen too many people have back surgery and I said, ain't nobody ever come out right. I said, I'm not suffering like that. I said, I'll wait and believe God. I done seen too many miracles. Doctor come in the next day. He said, well, we've changed our mind. Said, we're just going to put an elastic back brace on him, send him home, and see if he'll heal. And Brother Dwayne, I couldn't set myself up on the side of the bed. We rented a hospital bed, put it in our bedroom. Two months, I slept in the hospital bed. I'd, I'd need to get up. My wife had to come sit me up. I'd roll over on my side. She'd take this arm because I couldn't put no pressure on this. And she'd set me up on the side of the bed. I'd take that elastic back brace and I'd pull it around me just tight as I could get it. I'd grab a walker and I'd push myself up on it. And as I pushed myself up, pain just threw through me and I'd almost scream. And I took a step. Once I got up on my feet, I tightened that thing again. And I'd take a step and I said, By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed take another step and said I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me take another step and I say I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee every step I took I quoted the word because the devil told me he said 
you'll never heal. You said you'll have one leg short of another. You'll be messed up the rest of your life. You'll never preach again, never have another miracle. So I had to take my healing by the Word of God and believe it and claim it every day for two months. Went through a month of therapy, but I would not. I said I refuse to let them cut on me. They never touched my back in surgery, Sister Pat. I still got that L1 in there. Crack. I still got that L5 in there matched flat as a pancake. But I do what I want to do, and I serve God, and there ain't no pain. And you can't have vertebrae and discs messed up in your back and not live in pain. I don't live in pain. Why? Did God heal me immediately? No. Did he heal me completely? Yeah. Because I stood on his word. I, I refused. I told the devil, I said, I won't give you the satisfaction for me to quit. I said, I told you back in the 70s, you ever got me down flat on my back, I'd kick you death both feet. I said, guess what, devil, you're getting kicked. I would not give up because I knew my God and I believe in him. Do you know your God today? Do you believe in him? Do you believe what he'll do in your life? Then let him be real to you. We're fixing to go down that creek and have a baptizing. I don't know how many of you going to get baptized. That's up to you. But, be sure your heart's right with God. Be sure your heart's right with God. Because when you baptize, you repent and you baptize. The word repent means you change your mind. You turn from what you're doing. And you do different and you think different. And the Spirit of God will help you do that. Amen. The Spirit of God will help you do that. But if God's drawing you, don't wait too long. Don't wait too long. Because he loved us enough that he died for us. That's a lot of love. That's a lot of love. Amen. That's a lot of love. I appreciate the Lord today. Amen. Sister, it's been a long time since I've seen you. Good to see you. Is that your mama? Been a long time. I think last time I seen her, she come down to church in Fort Payne. What? Huh? You been here one time before? Okay. Sometimes people come in and out, and I don't remember, but I do remember you coming to church in Fort Payne. Don't you appreciate the Lord today? Yes. Hadn't this been a wonderful word? Yes, I'm getting better. I had an old man. I had an old man. When I was evangelizing. He come to my meetings every now and then. He gone and be with the Lord now. He'd come up and give me an offer, and he said, "Brother Metter, keep practicing." One of these days you're going to make a preacher. I said, I appreciate that. He was. He just, he probably in his 80s, going into his 90s then. It wasn't about seven. I think he lived to be almost 100, but he passed away. And he kept telling me every time, he said, Brother Metter, keep practicing. So I told him, I said, don't worry, I will. I'm going to keep practicing. You know why? I want people to know what Jesus will do for them. People don't have to live in fear. They don't have to live in this depression. They don't have to live in all this discouragement, sickness, and disease. Jesus come make you whole. Jesus come make you whole in soul, mind, and body. He come make you whole. Amen. He come make you whole. I appreciate the Lord today. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Let's ask God to hide this word in our heart. Lord, take this word. Hide it in our hearts. Let it be. God, that this word find good ground. 
God, that this seed has been declared of your salvation, your mercy, your love, your forgiveness, your blood. God, that it will let root go downward and bring forth fruit upward. I give you honor today for what you're doing and how you're touching people's lives. God, bear witness of your mercy, your grace, and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.